Welcome back to another episode of the No Other Option podcast, uh, where the only option is success. Uh, we got a special guest here today, but first I want to introduce my co-host. We got Joel. I'm Troy. Joel, I'll let you introduce your, that's your boy. I'll let you go ahead and introduce him. Let everybody know who we got on the show today. It's going to be a good one. So yeah, we got my bad, bro. <laughs> yeah, we got Myrtle Beach legend, Tredarius <laughs> McCullum. AKA Trey McCullough. I never knew his name was Tredarius till he went off to college. Wow, no that's crazy. <laughs> Bro, no one ever called you Tredarius. I don't know. It was kind of like I never, I don't remember Coach Wilson. I don't remember Coach Moss. Anybody ever calling you Tredarius? I don't know. Where did, I guess, where did Trey come from? Why, is, why did everybody just automatically do that? I guess nobody wanted to call me for my full name, but. Yeah, man, man I can't is. pronounce this. <laughs> nah, um, that's what it was. But yeah, me and me and Trey, uh, you probably met when we were what, like fourteen, something like that, thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. Eighth were, grade, yeah, yeah, eighth grade. What was it like seeing such a, a a beautiful specimen of an athlete walk in, such as myself, when I transferred back to Myrtle Beach? <laughs> hey, man, we knew you. We knew you the one, bro. You you was the golden ticket. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> <laughs> we knew you the way out. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, it wasn't Everett. I got those championships. I'm just saying. Okay. And so yeah, we, me and Trey actually played football together, which is an interesting kind of twist. But my boy Trey now is a professional basketball player. I'm bringing it up right now, Trey. What's your wingspan? Bro, I want to say it's probably close to six, seven foot, it's six got, ten, seven foot. It's gotta be. It, it yeah, it's kind of long. So, so this yeah. man was walking around shorter than me. I was probably six one at the time. Uh, and and this man would walk around. I'm not I'm not joking, bro. Your your hands would be down at your knees, yeah. and like that just is not conducive to, to lifting or benching. And thankfully, you grew into that frame. Right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the time when we got closest was probably in the probably in the off season because every day after school, both of us went to the rec center, play basketball, pick up. I was horrible. Like Trey saw me at my worst. Troy's never seen me that bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I always remember you being like a Kevin Durant style player. You you used to look like KD a lot. I mean, you still kind of got the look, but you used to look like identical to that man. My same, idol, bro. Same frame, everything. Like I'd say, really. I mean, very very similar play styles in general. Would you say that's who you model your game after? Yeah, uh, I mean, growing up, you know, that was that was probably like the first basketball play I ever like seen, like personally watched on TV. I started watching basketball pretty late, and that was like the first one I saw. So it was like, why not? Like his game was so smooth, it was just so crisp. It was like what made basketball look like basketball and make it feel like that. And I just kind of just took it and just kind of just followed followed behind him, you know, and just kind of just t- took things he did in the game and try to. Mimic his moves, even though it was just pick up. I was just trying to do everything he did, and you know, just, just hey, he 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 was kind of like the reason why I dreamt like dream big in basketball because of Kevin Durant. You know, like he was my favorite player at, at a young age, and when I started playing basketball, so that was just the first person I saw really hit the court, and it was like, wow, that's what it looks like. That's what it's supposed to be. So, just kind of just trying to mimic him and try to follow in his footsteps the best I could. Yeah, I remember those pickup games with. Uh... Anthony McPray, I think, was pretty much the only reason I would ever get picked up. Shout out, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> My guy. Yo, if, you, if you're looking for a house in Fort Lauderdale, 
Anthony McRae. But uh um, up. <laughs> yeah. That's my boy. I love Anthony. Uh he picked me up even though he knew I was the worst. And I have to say I think he he, he could have played decent at the varsity level, I think. I sure. think I don't oh, think Merle, sure. I don't think Merle Beach didn't fare with that. I mean he dude had all right, Troy, so for like context. Anthony couldn't see anything without his glasses, but that man would play basketball without his glasses on and still have better vision than anybody on the court. That's impressive. It made no sense. <laughs> it's true, bro. It's very true. It made absolutely no sense. Man, well, he, he would go, all right, put these down. Because he didn't want to break them, you know? Yeah. I'd play with them on, still have no idea what was going on. <laughs> going back to the, to the, to the Myrtle Beach thing, uh, did you ever try out for Myrtle Beach Middle School's basketball team or? Myrtle Beach High School's basketball team? Bro, I tried out for every basketball team up from 7th grade to 10th. Well, so I made it in 11th grade when I switched schools. Yeah, yeah. So literally from middle school all the way up to 11th grade, is when I got cut from every basketball team I tried out for. Which doesn't make any sense because you were still rating threes back then, which, I mean, kind of leads to ninth grade, we played in the same rec league. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We both played rec league. I think it's the last year of eligibility for playing rec league or whatever. Your dad mm-hmm. was one of the coaches. Right. Um, I remember when we played y'all, and I remember looking and uh, being like, damn, that's Trey's dad. Like, he's tall as, you know, how tall is your yeah. dad? Uh, dad's probably sitting at six seven right now. He's taller than me still. He's taller than you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember seeing him and just being like, oh, right, okay. We won that league. Y'all didn't. I just want to point that out. <laughs> He tried to rub salt in the wound. Yeah, he tried. Yeah, we won really? that league. I got the chip. I mean, that's really what matters. I was a defensive powerhouse at that point, you know, blocking shots. Nothing goes in the hole. Nothing. Nothing went in. I made – all right, so I took one shot the entire season. I made one basket. I'm a one for one, 100% shooting, all that, you know. But I blocked the shit out of so many kids, i tell you that. That's why puberty is a big difference in those leagues. But uh, but now what do you what do you think that you learned from your dad back then? Is your dad? I mean, oh man, I mean, he has to have some basketball experience, right? Yeah, I mean, he played a little bit, but it was cut short. You know, he had a family and everything. But uh, what I could take away from him is his aggression towards the game. You know, he's always growing up hearing how my dad used to go to pickup games in the men's league and. You got an old fella coming. Your dad used to bow me in my face all the time. Your dad used to be aggressive. You know, I left with a black eye that game. But I guess it's just that fight. Uh, it passed down to me, you know what I'm saying? So just having that from my father and just hearing those type of stories, kind of just like, wow, my dad was like that on the court. I think I want to be the same way. Like So yeah. I guess just taking that from him. Uh, he didn't really – he taught me the little basic stuff like shooting and things, but he didn't really teach me the basketball like what I needed to know. Uh, I think he did his part, and then he knew I was going to get sent off somewhere. I was going to learn the game a lot more. So I think he did what he needed to do just to get the foundation started for me, and I just kind of just took that and just 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 made it work for the time I had, you know what I'm saying, So I got to where I was at, uh, like college and stuff like that. So just that aggression, that passion for the game, and that that fearless attitude on the court and stuff like that, I think that's what I got from him. I'm not seeing it, but also just kind of like, Hearing from it from other people and also just kind of like, also, you know, it's my dad, so I can feel his aggression towards things. So, like, when he was speaking about things about basketball, I just kind of like, okay, yeah, this is what he means. This is how he's taking it, how he how he did it. So I just kind of took that and just kind of just like took it into my mind and just figured it out myself. 
but he did give me a, a, the, the blueprint of what I needed just to get to where I needed to go, you know? Yeah, I will say, I know you had definitely the aggression on the offensive side. You had no qualms about shooting the ball from anywhere, wherever you wanted. Uh, I know that was a thing. That was always a thing. Um, and nobody really ever had a problem with you shooting from wherever you wanted, no matter what who we were playing with. Let's go Let's go on to 10th grade, all right? Yeah. So, so that's when you hit your growth spurt. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I remember telling you this probably when we were like 18 or 19. But I, I saw you one week. I was probably 6'1 at the time. Now I'm 6'3". Shout out to all people. No offense, Troy. Uh, right, we, we holding it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, uh, I remember seeing you off season one week. And I swear you, you were shorter than me. Next week, you come in. We're in the, we were standing in the varsity locker room. I think Shout Michael, rest in peace, was there. Um, probably like Kenny Herbert, David King. I don't mm-hmm. know. Somebody, somebody else was there, but uh, I remember you walking in. And I was like, "How'd you grow so much so quickly?" And like, you know, like exactly how much you grew in that like time period leading up to St. James. Bro, no. The thing is, like, I didn't even know I got tall. That's the funny thing is, like, it just I was just, just so. I was just, yeah, it just happened so quick. Like I went from what five nine, five ten to like six two, six three in like a summer. So it was just like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even really realize it until I like go to my friends and they're like coming up to my chest and stuff. I'm like, oh shit, I grew a little bit. Like yeah. and everybody was like, You grew, you grew, you grew. I'm like, I don't really I can't tell, you know what I'm saying? Like I just yeah. I just felt normal. Like I didn't even think anything of it. You didn't you didn't have all those aches and pains people talking about? No, man, I didn't really have, I really didn't have growing pains. I mean, I don't know what it was. I, I really didn't have it because it was like, I was growing, but I wasn't like just, just sitting around. I was still active as a young kid. You know what I'm saying? I was moving around, going outside and stuff like that. So I guess that kind of helped the the pain go away because I was just so active and just moving my bones and my joints and stuff. It kind of like helped it out a little bit more. But yeah, man, I, I don't know how I got tall, but it happened. <laughs> yeah, it did for sure. Um... And I guess, I guess from there, let's let's go on to like the move to St. James because I don't I don't know the full story on that either. I'm assuming it's because you got you kept getting cut at Myrtle Beach, right? No, man. Um, I'm actually from that end, and like my mom and my we always lived on that end. And I went to St. James from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade. Oh, know, from, really? Yeah. So St. James was my base school. Like I always went to St. James. I didn't went to no other school. And um. I guess after the 10th grade year, you know, when I got hurt in football and then I wasn't making a basketball team, I think it was just a change because I didn't mean I wanted to play sports, but Murray Beach just wasn't giving me a legitimate chance. And they didn't know. They was always on that favoritism stuff. So when I made that move, I felt like it was the best decision because I wanted to play basketball. Like at that point, I started wanting to play basketball. I kind of just gave up hope on football because I've been playing it for so long. I just kind of like lost the love for it, you know. So it was, it was and then I picked up the basketball and it was like, and it, it, sh- it just shifted. Like, I wanted to go ahead and go that direction. And then I finally went to St. James. You know, I felt I was back at my school. I know I had a great chance of making a basketball team because it's, it's the same kids I grew up with, you know what I'm saying, pray right league with. And yeah, I knew yeah. that I, I, you know, I, I knew I could go there and, and actually make the team and do what I need to do on the court. So I got there and I made it. And uh, it's, the rest was history, you know. I just – it wasn't the best, you know, the situation where I got there and everything, how it ended, but I made the best of it. But I was just, I was just thankful that I got a chance to actually make a team and 
because I feel like if I would have got cut from there, no telling where I would be at right now. See, I I think you and I ran into a lot of the same issues because like when it mm-hmm. came to on the field, like yeah, when we were conditioning stuff, I had horrible asthma. I know you remember that. Yeah. But, uh, I ended up having nose surgery and stuff uh, later, and it actually fixed all those issues to where I could sprint and stuff. But like when it came to on the field, production wasn't like a problem for me. But uh, I don't think Myrtle Beach ever gave me a really fair chance, so I ended up going over to uh, Sagastee at the same time that you went to St. James and immediately mm-hmm. playing time. And I I don't know. I, I know what you mean, favoritism stuff, man. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, we both, you know, did our thing. We transferred, and, and yeah. that's a very positive thing. Uh, they, were, they were both big schools. Though. I mean, you see that at big schools. I mean, that was a – y'all were probably 3A, 4A. Yeah, 3A at the time. 3A, then 4A now. Yeah, but so Murray Beach was – like such a powerhouse still and they're like their prime so it's kind of like i see I, I see what they mean like as far as the favoritism because it was a lot of athletes at that time when we was in school bro there was a lot of athletes so i was like For sure i didn't really get down about it but it was like damn i wish i still had a chance i know i can compete like but you can't you expect that from a powerhouse like that during that time so it wasn't even like yeah. it's had so many options to choose from but it was like so I think they made the decision that they wanted to make, but I feel like for us, like we we just wanted that chance, you know. So we just had to yeah. go make it happen. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's one thing. Again, you know, that we have in common is that we both had that drive that we wanted to do what we wanted to do, and we didn't want to be limited right. because of you know what was going on there. And I respect that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I went over there, blocked for Hunter Renfro. <laughs> I'm going to say that every single podcast episode. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, nah, no. Nah. Uh, I remember, I remember coming and seeing you play against Myrtle Beach when you were at St. James. Actually, it was at mm-hmm. St. James. Myrtle Beach was coming to you. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who won, but I remember you being out there, and man, you you got even taller. And uh, and there were those two tall white dudes. I don't remember what their names were. Honestly, you know what I'm talking about? Matt and Russ. Yeah, Matt and Russ. What was it like playing there? Like back back home at St. James versus, you know, going to, to Myrtle Beach High School, which is crazy. Damn, man. I don't know. That's a crazy place. I took it personally, you know, because that's where I, like, even though I went to St. James and everything, but when I went to Myrtle Beach, that's, like, when I, like, found myself. That was, like, my core. Like, I found my best friends for life there. Um, So I just took it personal. I was like, man, like, your coach didn't want me. He's going to he's gonna hate this. He's going to hate me after this game. That's how I was feeling, like. Respect that. My, my and I never lost to Murray Beach since then. Like I never lost to Murray Beach in basketball ever since I started playing basketball. So I was like, I just kind of just took it personal. Like I should be here playing on y'all team, but your coach doesn't want me. But he's gonna feel this now. Like yeah, so, one hundred percent. And then they come in the same James where we go to Murray Beach. It just felt it was, that was probably like the best game of the year right there. Just that was my rival, even though our rival was Saga Steve, but Murray Beach was my rival just because of that reason, just because of that that fire I had. I just wanted to, because I always wanted to play with my friends, you know, like I always wanted to play with my best friends. I never got a chance. And now I get to play against them. So I was like, yeah, I took the time. I took that yeah. and like, yeah, I really forced the issue on that. I mean, a lot of them, you know, were guys that we, we played at the rec with after school in, in the spring exactly. too. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, kind of a, a wild turn. I mean, it probably had to feel more comfortable, honestly, playing against them. We've been playing against them for so long. Right. So I knew what everybody wanted to do. I knew how you want to do this. I knew how your coach coached. So it was like, yeah, 
I'm prepared. <laughs> and those scouting reports. Yeah, man, I'm prepared. So I know a lot of people bring this up probably when they talk to you, but uh, you know, older sis- sister could use the sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, let's give her a shout out. I think she's now on the South Carolina women's. Yeah, she's on staff, staff, right? She's yeah. on staff. Assistant now? coach, assistant coach, and player development. Yep, for for Don Staley, the yeah. the goat of women's basketball coaching, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinions. Yeah, um, she, she getting up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think she Don Staley coached Team USA last Olympics, right? Two, last two, last yeah. two Olympics. That's two Olympics. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I mean, Kadisha. It's kind of crazy to believe that you know Myrtle Beach didn't give you a chance being Kadisha's little brother. You know, um, oh well, nobody really knew that while I was in school. You know, if you knew, yeah. that's when you knew. But like as far as the coaches and stuff, they didn't know. Like yeah, I guess it wasn't a didn't. big thing. Yeah, they didn't really they didn't really put two to two together. Even though we rode to school every day, they still didn't put two to two together. Yeah, yeah. Well, how did her? I guess her accomplishments in college, you know, I think she started three out of four years at, at mm-hmm. University of South Carolina, uh, kind of helped turn the school into a powerhouse. She was part of that big movement. Mm-hmm. She was a, a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, I, think it, I think I remember coming down between USC and UNC, and, like, I remember being hyped that she committed to USC. And I actually remember seeing her when I went to USC for a year and a half. How did that – how did her having all of that experience and – I think she even got a Team USA tryout too, didn't she? Uh, she has a gold medal, bro. She went with them when they went to Puerto Rico and they won. She oh, had really? a gold medal. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I was not educated on that. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she she's got so many accolades. Like, what what kind of advice did she give you as far as basketball goes, too? You know, because and she's uh, she, she was a skills coach for a bit too, like between her professional career and then afterward, right? She still is. She's my personal skills coach. She still trains me to this day. Is she? Like, during the summer, I go up there and work out there. And I go sliver her during the summer and uh, trains him, bro. Like, she's still that. She still has that. And she's pretty much the reason, main reason why I am right now in my professional career because she got me better each and every year. I improved each and every year, and the results showed. But uh, just just knowing that we had that in our household was something special. Um. I, I really sometimes I can't take it in because it's my sister. It's my blood is like I, I grew up with this girl now seeing her doing big things. It's like it, it opened up your eyes a lot being the youngest the youngest sibling and seeing your older people well your older siblings do stuff in front of you. It's just like it's it's crazy, bro. I couldn't believe it when she got a job. I was just like, man, like you're really doing it. And sooner or while that's gonna be it's gonna be her team. So I'm like, that's kinda like how I'm seeing my sister's vision with that. Like she's gonna end up being in the you need to be in Don Staley's part, like place whenever Don Staley decides to get done with the coaching. I feel like it's going to be my sister's team. So that's kind of how I'm seeing at it. But as far as like her advice and stuff, bro, she just, she pretty much seen it all. She's been in those, those, those rooms with those conversations. So she's kind of, she gives me the insights of what to expect and what I should do. You know, like I said, she's been helping me out ever since I started playing professional basketball and, she just knows, and come being her little brother, she knows what I got. Like she knows what's in me. So her thing is just trying to get it out. She's just being, just be that person that you are, be that basketball player that I know you are, and that the family knows you are. So she just kind of like, just make sure that I'm just doing my part, you know? Because she, 
don't want to see wasted talent. And especially being her brother, she definitely don't want to see that because she always going to be like, you my brother, you can't be no bum on that court. You know, like, she literally tell me that, but I know it's coming from a great place because she really means it. Like, she yeah. expects more from me just because. So I kind of, like, just take that. And every time we work out, we just we just have that connection and stuff like that. Like, she can yell at me and everything, and I won't get, like, bothered by it because I know it's just coming from – a, a place where she just wants me to get better. It's coming from a place of love and everything. So with that, it's just like, at the same time, I'm just like, wow, like that's my sister, bro. Like I can, I can really brag and say, that's my sister. She's doing big things. And it's kind of overwhelming. Like sometimes me and my dad, the other day, like we'll sit in the man cave. We was like, bro, coach session. That shit sounds good. Like we're just, so, just good. so, just so wild. Like, damn, like my sister's really doing that thing. And like, we never knew it would be coming like this, but it came. So we just really just bracing on from the aspect of her being on my side and everything. Like she's played an important part in my life as far as professional basketball and just life in general. Like she really took me on her wing and showed me things I needed to know before I like go places and start playing. So with her, I mean, she, she's been helpful a lot and a lot of, and a lot of expression and a lot of aspects. So I'm just thankful for that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome that she's your personal skills coach. Um, at least when she's yelling at you, she's yelling from like a foot below your head. So, <laughs> but no, it's, it's awesome to see the dynamic of like somebody with such raw talent like you and, mm-hmm. and you know, the raw natural size, natural physical gifts. And then you have a sister who is, I mean, women's basketball players aren't necessarily that tall normally. Um, right. So you get somebody who's on the skill side of things where, you know, fundamentals are the key and you put them together and, you know, you get a, mm-hmm. you get a great outcome. The one thing I want to clear up. All right. Cause I'm not, I don't, I don't know the answer to this and I don't think most oh. people know the answer to this. Is Khadijah Sessions cousin Ramon Sessions? We get that question a lot. No, they're not related. Not related. Mm-mm. Okay. We're, hey, you, you never know. <laughs> but, uh, you don't know if you don't ask yeah. but like with Ramon though like because how Verda Beach is like it's all family like I remember him coming to the house when he was playing with uh, Hope, well on LA I remember him coming to the house when he was on the Wizards like all that stuff I remember when he donned LeBron and that next summer he was at the crib chilling with my dad and my uncle so it was like he's, he's, he's family but he's not like actual blood you know so maybe it's distant blood you never know yeah, this so is, bro, did, you can say that. <laughs> I, I think everybody at Myrtle Beach, honestly, is related one way or another. Mm, facts. Uh, he was he was my favorite player, aside from Kimba, on the on the Charlotte Bobcast when they had that that nice one two. Actually, I remember like there was a there was a uh, there was a cheerleader kind of simping for for my sessions. Like she was she was out there screaming and going crazy when he checked into the game. I remember that, and I was like. Who are you? Like Groovy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, huh? All right. All right. I see you, Ramon. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean that was also another thing too. Like there was that Ramon session sign ball at the, the rec center, and I always thought that was the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you you go to walk into the, the gym in Myrtle Beach and you see the, the Ramon Sessions Milwaukee Bucks jersey. And that was such a dope thing. And uh right. I don't think a lot of people know this, but He's uh, the single game assist leader for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think he had 24 assists, something like that. And one game, 
Uh, he That's went tough. off. Yeah, fifty sixth yeah. overall pick out of Nevada, but hey, he did what he, he did a lot more than most fifty sixth overall picks. That's Boy, true. That's crazy. It's tough, though. It's tough. So moving on to to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just wanted to see uh, how was the transition, man, from uh, from high school to because he did like a like half a season at like a prep school, right? Yeah. College um, how, how was that transition? Uh the transition it was kinda it was kinda tricky, you know. Um at that time I was still trying to figure out myself as a basketball player, you know, I was so young to the sport. Uh my first year being in my eleventh grade year playing basketball was just kinda like kinda yeah. crazy. Yeah, really. So it was like I was still I was still young, man. I was just basically just playing off ability to rebound pass the ball and play hard. That's all I knew. Like my dad just always said, play hard, you know? So, so the transition from that to prep school was kind of just like, okay, we're playing better competition, but I can still play hard. I can still control what I can control. You know what I'm saying? Like I can still do this. And like, I always told you I had that fearless attitude. So I didn't really care. I didn't really care who was in front of me at the time. Like they can be the top in the state. I really wouldn't care at that time. You know, it's just that fearless attitude I had. So that kind of helped me transition to playing better teams in prep school. Cause we were doing like, was playing small NAIA schools, was playing JUCO schools and stuff like that. So it was like I had to like kind of just step it up just a tad just because I know the competition is going to be a lot better than what it was in basketball. I mean, in high school. So the transition, it, it, it was kind of smooth. Um, I don't think I really – I think I got my biggest reality shot or transition to basketball. The hardest transition was probably when I went to junior college. That was probably like the hardest – thing I had to really accept and realize because I went to a school called Indian Hills, which was, we was number two in the nation. Like, I think we went from one, two, and three, three, two, and one. Like, we always fluctuated from one, two, and three in the top of the country. So, that can only imagine the type of competition, the type of players we have on our team. So, like, that part really woke me up. That transition was probably a little bit harder because now I'm playing against the top players in the country, and now I'm playing against schools that are coming in to try to beat us because we are top three, top two, top one in the country. So it was like that. I felt like that transition was just a little bit more tougher because now I saw that I was a little bit behind in the game because I started so late, you know. So I had to play catch up with a little few things. Now I got to learn this, now I got to learn that while still learning the game. So I felt like that was probably like the biggest. Well, that was probably like the toughest time and toughest transition I really had to have at that point in my career was from high school, prep school, going to junior college. Oh, yeah. Well, you mm-hmm. know, especially with the growth and uh, popularity of junior colleges, you got shows right. like Last Chance U coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the like culture shock moment? Like, damn, I'm in in uh, Iowa, Centerville, Iowa or whatever, like. I'm not. I'm not in Myrtle Beach or where. Like I'm. I'm here. I'm stuck. Like this. This is it. Like what was that moment? Man, but my first school was in Wyoming. I was okay. only there for like a, a, year, a half a year, you know, and then stuff didn't work out. But that was my first like, whoo, man. <laughs> first time going on a plane and getting to Denver and getting on a small plane with the propellers to land where I was at in Wyoming. Oh, and God. I get there, it's, it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing but white outside. Just like three feet of snow and then you see random deer run across the road and you see nothing but mountains and like I think that was the biggest thing that's why I was like wow this is more than just a beach and sand you know so 
Uh, I think that was the biggest shock right there. It was just actually leaving home and going to a new place by myself, by my, uh, by alone, being 18 years old, you know? So it was like just seeing new things for the first time and having to live like that was a big shock for me. And I'm grateful it happened, you know? So I don't ever see it as a bad thing because, like, I don't want to be that person that never sees anything outside of Murray Beach. And I felt like that was, like, the biggest accomplishment because – like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving home. I don't want to look back. Like, I'm doing something. It's not like I'm leaving home for a bad cause. So it was a shock. It was a culture shock. But it was also, like, reality shock of, like, okay, yeah, this is more It's more to life, you know. So, but I embraced it all. I loved it. Um, I got to see new things. Got to meet new people. Get to see different sides of the world or the country and stuff like that. So it was kind of like, it was a, it was a, it was a good culture shock for me, if, if I may say. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, well, you know, like I said, it's uh, you always see on the shows, man. Like uh, the biggest one is the basketball one, obviously on on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. They got like six six guys in a room sleeping on four beds with uh, you know, something crazy going on. Uh, like they got two TVs, one bathroom, like all of this, and they just like, well, we all here just trying to get, um, trying to get to the same place. Just trying to get to that same place. So, what was uh, so what was the recruiting experience like once you got uh to that junior college level? So, walk us through, you know, your first first two years in the JUCO. Uh, well, like I said, I went to Wyoming first. Um, uh, recruiting there wasn't anything special because I was just getting on the court and I had to sit out half a year because I transferred halfway through the season. I think I got there like January, so the season was already in, so I had to sit out and then I came back played like 13 games and it just kind of didn't work out with things. So I had to end up leaving. But when I got to junior college, that's when I'm not junior. When I got to Indian Hills, that's when I kind of seen how the recruiting was going. You know, we had, like I said, when I first came there, I still didn't play because I had to sit out because I just transferred to Indian Hills. I was still on team. I was still part of a team that was top five in the country, you know. So I was seeing schools like, North Carolina, NC State, uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Big Ten schools, Big 12 schools. I, I was just seeing that, like, is this a practice or is this a damn showcase? Like, I'm just looking, like, it's a line of coaches on the side just watching this practice. Like, what is this? What is this supposed to be? Like, what are they doing? So I didn't really understand that until I came back my following year and actually got to play and actually got to see what it's like to practice in front of those coaches. Like, like, literally every school you can think of was in our practice, other than Duke, because Coach K is not recruiting Juco players. Yeah. But, like, other than that, every school you can think of that coach, coach, uh, can think of came through our gym, bro. Like, literally, like, from low major to high major, every school literally came in there. And you might see the same school three or four times. Like, it was serious. So I figured, like, at that point in my time, I was like, I'm at a good place for the recruitment, you know, like the school itself, the, the name itself is already going to attract coaches by itself. So it was like, why not use it to my advantage? I'm already on a team full of killers, full of great players. Like they're, they're here to see him, see these players, but they're also here to see me because I'm part of this team. So I kind of like just took that in and was like, all right, let's, let's go time. That's what I felt like. I felt like at that point I can get recruited by these schools because they're coming to see me anyway. And they already know what I'm capable of playing on this, on this caliber of team. But that part of that, that's probably like one of the 
best things I can ever think of was just seeing all those coaches come in. I practice daily and just they got their clipboard over there. They're sitting like this, just evaluating of anything. So I felt like just being in Indian Hills helped me a lot on that recruitment side because I feel like if I was anywhere else, I wouldn't get that type of exposure is how they got it. So I think that worked to my benefit in a lot of ways. Okay. Mm-hmm. When uh when it came down to the moment, man, how did you uh what made you pick DePaul out of uh out of all uh, that whole experience? What what was the defining moment for you? Uh bro, honestly, it was just a situation, you know. Um coming in to one of the top conferences in the country, Big East. Um coming into a school that really needed help. Coming to coming into school that was a good fit for me. Um Coming in and playing immediately, don't have to don't have to fight for a starting position, don't have to fight for minutes. Coming in, starting and playing 33, 35 minutes a game, shoot the ball, get to touch the balls. Like I felt like that was the best thing, and that was like the best option for me because, uh, like I said, it's a top country. It was a top conference in the in the country. Like they, Villanova won national championship two out of the three years I was at DePaul. Well, they wanted my senior year and they wanted the year before it came, and then. My junior year, there was number one in the country. So I got to experience stuff like that. I got to play against the number one team in the country. I got to play against the 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 best guards you can think of, like Marcus Howard and Jordan Rousey. And do you have uh, Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson? Do you have Michael Bridges? Did, like, Big East was the Big East. Like, it, it speaks for itself, you know? So I felt like having that opportunity to compete on that stage and have it given to me with the starting position and starting all this and that. I felt like I couldn't beat that. And my me and my dad just looked at each other like, yeah, bro, it's, it's, this is it. Like, this is this is where I need to be. Like, this is the way place I can show my talents. I don't have to go nowhere and have to worry about somebody being in my position or my spot. And I can just go ahead and play right away mm-hmm. and learn quickly. So I just felt like it was just a great situation for me, you know, so, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, but just that, just all that comes down to it, being Big East, being a high major basketball t- uh, program, and just everything came, just fall, it just fell right into place at the right time for me. So I think that was the best thing. Okay. Yeah, man. Y'all, I mean, you went to the Big East when it was like cream of the crop. I mean, the jumping. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> top five teams was, you know, battling it out pretty much the entire time. You know, you had Creighton, uh, they were, they were, about them. Long. Uh, Providence yeah. was competing. They was Gonzaga and Xavier. They were always ranked. Man, uh, I mean, uh, who was it? Xavier had, uh, or not Xavier? Sorry, Villanova. They had Brunson, Mikel, Divincenzo, uh, Divincenzo. I mean, Chris was, Jenkins. They yeah, had everybody. Bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the whole national championship team came back, bro. Like. <laughs> I had a face them for two more years. Like, come on, man. Like, it was real, bro. It was yeah. real. So speaking speaking on, you know, just playing, I know you, you played a bunch of more people, but, man, what mm-hmm. do you think, uh, like, in your in your college years, what was your toughest competition? Like, you know, matchup-wise, non-matchup, just who would you think was – you saw him, he was like, that's – he's just tough. Like, that was like an individual? Yeah, just individual. In college? Um – I'll say Marcus Howard from Marquette. Okay. He was a bucket. Like, he average, he, every time we played him, he had 35 or 40. Like, he was a bucket, like, pulling up from half, 
whatever he wanted. It was just like a video game to him at this point, bro. It's just like he was just going crazy. Like, and to this day, he's in Euroleague killing. Like, he's like, he was like a legit bug. I feel like he was the only person. I'm like, damn, like, niggas is really cold out here. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, dude, dudes are like real life buckets. Like, he's just looking like, how is he even human type joint? Like, so I think Marcus, Marcus Howard from Marquette was probably like the biggest, like, when you actually be on the floor and then you go to the, the Bucks arena and it's sold out. And like, you know, DePaul and Marquette's like kind of like a rival because Milwaukee and Chicago is kind of like kind of, but just that, just see if he hits a three and the way he just looks at the crowd, like, you know, what's up? Like, bro, <laughs> it was, it's like some things like that you just can't even dream of, but it, it was, he was like that. He was definitely cold, like, Coldest dude I've probably seen, man. Made it ten times worse just because it was at Marquette too. Just, just, just because, bro. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, you hit. He hits one three. I swear, it's like this floor is just literally vibrating. Like you, you're looking at the coach trying to call a play. He's you can't even hear. Like you can't even see anything. Like it's just that type of like. And he did that. Like just knowing a player can do that for his fans is crazy, bro. Like it's like it's it's crazy. But I'll say he's probably the only person in college that probably like. Woke me up and said, "Wow, what was uh, what was your favorite moment, game, anything that you can think of from your two years uh, playing? Oh, playing playing against no Villanova when it was number one. Oh yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, having that, having them down to the wire to last possible shot. You know, I think that was probably my best game in my college career. You know, I had twenty against the number one team in the country. So it's like, if we just would have won." how much different my life would have been, you know, like, yeah, yeah, just, just sure. like, just, just, just having that opportunity to be like, damn, I win this game, bro. Like ESPN is going to be crazy. Like I'm going to have this, that, like, but I felt like even just having that opportunity to play against no more team in the country was just, it was just, it was just good, bro. It was just, I was just thankful because not a lot of people get the opportunity to say that, you know, not a lot of people get the opportunity to even, score or show what they can do in games like that so i just i was just thankful that i got an opportunity to do that but by far that was like the 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 biggest moment right there in my career was playing against them and when they was number one yeah i mean i trey i'm sure you remember i used to message you after some of the games and give me yeah. my opinions which you know totally out of line but i don't care uh <laughs> no nah. no nah, i mean you gotta message your boy and tell him you know doing a good job but uh i think that was one of the few games i actually missed but mm-hmm. but one one question i wanted to ask you was uh they played you as more of a big and i and i think i had reached out and talked to you about this uh they played you as more of a big at DePaul, whereas mm-hmm. you're more of a do you see yourself as more of a, a big two or a three what'd you say uh well i always tell people this bro i really don't i'm positionless bro positionless. like the things I had to do for my professional team this this past two years has really made me positionless, you know. So, uh, but at DePaul, I mean, it was using me as a face of four, stretch four. I had to play the five a little bit, but the reason why they did that because they saw how fearless I was. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't really care how big you were, or if you were seven foot, two hundred, three hundred pounds, like, or you was a little guard. That was nice. Like I felt like they knew that I didn't care. So they just used me at that position because I can switch on everything. And then if it was a switch on offense, I had a mismatch. But uh, I feel like me personally, I like to say I'm not, I'm positionless, but I like to say I'm a true wing player, like a true three. Uh, Just my ability to put the ball on the floor and I can shoot, I can play make. 
I could do a lot of shit, bro. Like, but I just felt like then they used me at that position just because it was it was suitable for them at the time, and then they needed that at that position. So I felt like I, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me. I mean, I got to see every matchup I can possibly think of, one through five. So it was just like I I, I really didn't have a position, but I was stuck at the four. I didn't want to be at the four or the five, but it, it is what it is. It, it worked out for the best of me because I still can show what I can do. I'm just at this position, you know. Yeah, still running threes. Yeah, still, but yeah, been, you know. Just not getting as many shots as you should have. Yeah. Uh, I'll say that openly. There was that, that one point guard that was pretty pretty nice, too. But, I don't know, man, he was getting some of your shots. Obviously, you say you got some of your fearlessness from your from your father, but how much do you think you got from playing football at Myrtle Beach? Because, remember, we used to, gotcha, dang it, piss, boy, get on the line. Like, remember that? Remember Coach yeah. Wilson, you scream that? It's the most, like, gut-wrenching thing. You know, you get, oh, God, you got to go run some more. Uh, you know, you got to be fearless. You got to finish through the line. You know, you, do you think any of those values also really helped you at DePaul and really helped distinguish you as a player? Oh, yeah. I mean, playing football all my life really helped me translate to basketball, just the physical part of it. And uh, it was that and then, like, they helped in a lot of ways. Like, if I was to jump for a, a football, like, as a receiver, I could just use that in basketball. It's like, I'm going to get a rebound, you know? If I'm yeah. trying to go for a fumble, I can use it as a loose ball on the court. So, like, I use things that I use in football to basketball, if that makes sense. Like, I just kind of, like, use certain physicality or certain movements I can translate to basketball, which helped me a lot. So, um, but football actually did really make me fearless because I was such a aggressive person on the court on the, on the field. So it kind of helped me when I got to basketball because you know basketball players don't like to be physical. And I love to be physical. Like as soon as yeah. I bump you, you like if you bump if I bump you, you give me the wrong reaction. I got you right there. Like I know you don't want to be physical. Well, as far as like on the football field, you got pads and stuff. Somebody can hit back, but I can hit you first. You not do anything. Oh yeah, I love that. So kind of like yeah. It helped me. It helped me a lot with my physical part on the court because people don't like to. People really don't like to bump and stuff like that. So I just take that to my advantage and just be like, "Yeah, yeah, you ain't you ain't played football as a kid." And I can tell. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think in general, I think the Myrtle Beach attitude is something that yeah. that we don't really talk about that much. But I think everybody mm-hmm. who went to Myrtle Beach High School at least kind of just has that Myrtle Beach attitude, like you right. know, kind of physical. You kind of. It definitely hardens you a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that is true. Because, like I said, we had a lot of athletes come through Murray Beach, bro. It's like, and we saw how they played. Like, we saw how good they were. It's like, why not, take that same, why not take that same attitude, you know? Yeah, I just remember being a, a freshman. We're coming in. We had Trey Vivian. He'd already been starting as a freshman on varsity. And, like, I was like, huh? And, yeah, you know, he's out there. He's physical. He's If he had been just a couple inches taller, there's no telling how how hard he would have been recruited. Exactly. You know, we had OT. If he'd been a couple inches taller, man, be in the NFL. Uh, Facts. You know, we, we had some very tough people out there. But, yeah, I mean, uh, so going on from, from DePaul, did you enter the draft? Was there any part of that? What did you do? You didn't enter the draft? Nah, man. Uh, uh, I think about this all the time, man. I didn't. 
really do it the right way that I should have because I didn't have that guidance. You know, I didn't have somebody telling me I should do this. I didn't have anybody telling me I should do that. And when I was at DePaul, I didn't really have the relationship with the coaches for them to tell me to do that because it was more so them trying to save their job. You know, like DePaul wasn't on the winning streak of yeah. this and that. We just, so like, you know how that is with coaches and stuff. You know, it's a business. Like they're just trying to save themselves. So they're doing whatever they can to save them. So when I graduated, I didn't really have that guidance of what I should do. I just felt like, all right, season's over. Now I can go pro. Like I didn't think anything of put my name in the drive. I didn't think I didn't think anything of that it's just because I didn't know. I didn't have nobody really telling me. And my dad can't tell me because he really didn't know either. So it was like, all right, just kind of figure it out on my own. And then I wish I would have done it a lot differently. But, you know, things things happen for a reason. And the past can't really knock down the path that I took to get to where I'm at. But I feel like if I would have done it that way, if I would have put my name in the draft and see what would have happened, then I think things could have been a lot different, but we're not really sure, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, you you still ended up playing, I believe, the following year for the Windy City Bulls. I played well. So after I graduated, I went overseas first, and then I came back and played for like 13, 15 games, and then I got dismissed and went back overseas. Came back from over there and practiced with them as a practice player. Then the following year, I came back and was there for the whole year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And we had, we had reconnected after the DePaul mm-hmm. years and then talked a little bit while you were on the Windy City Bulls, too. And um, mm-hmm. I have to ask, uh, I don't know what NBA 2K it was, but the one where you, like, start off as a G League player. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, man, there's, like, there's old heads. There's, there's you know, drafted players. There's... There's all walks of basketball life there, right? I guess can you talk to like how accurate that is and like when you're when you travel and you're on the road, do you really have to share your room with like several different people? Like what are they doing? Are they how are they budgeting it? Because you know I'm curious. Like are the like I don't know if y'all were funded by directly by the Chicago Bulls or if you would be funded by the NBA in general. Because you know for those of y'all listening, yeah, it's it's the Winnie City Bulls. Needless to say. Chicago Bulls affiliate. <laughs> so how so how it was, I mean, it's not like how it was from a video game, no, like <laughs> but we did have like when I did get there, we did have old heads. Like my teammates were CJ Fair, Barrett Faircon Hall, Jakar Sampson. And these are jokers that I was watching in high school while they was playing in college. Like CJ Fair was playing at Syracuse, like he was a household name, like and I'm playing yeah. right beside him, like this is my guy, like we're going out to eat, we're hanging out, like this is my guy type stuff. Like, so that aspect is real because you're, you're walking in into not a professional world. So you can be professional. You can be 30 years old. You can be 35. You can be 19. You can be 22. Like, it's just all, it's just professional now. So it really doesn't have an age. You're just counting as professional. But uh, as far as like the traveling stuff, I mean, I don't know where they heard multiple people in the room, but it's like you either have your own room or you just, rooming with somebody it's like a basic hotel room you know what i'm saying two beds whatever yeah. you're only gonna be there for one one and a half night so it's not how people expect i mean say it is like because they say it's a g-league they think it's just like dog shit like no nah, it's not that bro it's, it's it's actually well taken care of um uh, i know some teams like they well every team has a budget regardless but their bigger team could always give them money like i know uh go to state warriors that was in the time they was winning 
the championships, I think they gave their G League team like an extra two million, three million dollars, which is a big difference, you know. Like, yeah, man. Is he, yeah, like it's a huge difference when you're doing it like that, as far as a team giving you an extra hundred grand or something like that. But you was taken care of. It, it you didn't. Have, it, was, it was like a, another step up from college. And I went to DePaul, which was Nike and everything, and then they got we got taken care of. But like when you got your G League, it's just that even more. But you still have like your downfalls. Like we didn't fly private. We had charter buses. Like not charter buses. We had to fly uh, planes with other people and. We took trains and cities, but it was it was more so still us still living life. Like we're still living a normal life. Like we still gotta do normal things or travel, stuff like that. But it wasn't bad at all, trust me. And it, it, honestly, ever since I left, it got better. Like the pay's better. Now you yeah. get your own rooms, now you get your own house and stuff like that. So it's like it kinda got a lot bit better. So it's not how people made it seem like, oh, it's the G League, like they just throw you under the bus and dog shit. Like, nah, it's never it was that. Maybe that's what it was like when it was the D League, but not the G maybe, League. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I I definitely always thought of it as like, you know, I mean, you can compare it to like Spanish League or like uh, French League, maybe the second best league in the world, honestly. Because when you make it anything that has NBA in front of it, that's how you kind of know that you pretty much made it at that point. And that's kind of how yeah. I've always thought of it. And then when I saw it depicted like that in the game, I was like, there's no way. This doesn't really make as much sense. I'm sorry. You know yeah. bro. 2K, 2K going to try to sell you on anything. They're going to have everybody thinking they live. Like, they're going to be riding horseback if they can. Yeah. Oh, man. They got the hardest life playing in the NBA G League. Oh, yeah. man. No, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure it was hard. Hard as shit. But, like, you know, beyond my eye level of comprehension as far as sports goes. But, you know, different types of difficulty. Yeah. Um, but I will say about that, like, the friendships I met, well, the friendships I gained from that are like lifelong. So it actually was probably one of the best couple of years of my life playing in G League, honestly. Good. Just, 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 just on that, yeah, just on that, just on that side, just like the, cause you got to think about everybody's fighting for that one thing you're fighting for. So kind of kind of got closer that way, you know. So it's like, uh, how how would I put it? I guess I guess friendships. That are also extreme rivalries. Because you're, you're both playing for minutes. Uh, who was the most? Because uh, I mean, you, you definitely played with players that ended up, you know, being in the league. So who would you? So after Windy City, man, you went to Canada, and then now you're, in, uh, what is it, Slo- Slovenia? Is that Slovakia? Slovakia, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how was how was that, man? I was going from the G League to Canada to to where you are now. The thing from Canada, it wasn't really because that was just what right after COVID. So, you know, I wanted to just kind of stay active or anything. It was just like a little summer, summer league. It wasn't that long. I mean, I went there, did my little thing, whatever. I mean, I put up numbers. I think I won MVP on my team. I made all team recognitions for the league. I mean, I was like, that was the expectation for me. Like, that was what I was supposed to do because I already knew, like, I'm going to come to this league and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and kill it, get out the way because I needed something to do. Like, be out of basketball for a few months, and then I was like, "Damn, I hope COVID doesn't end this shit forever." So I just did that, and yeah, I just like just kind of get my groove together, and then uh, after that, it was kind of slow market for me for that summer. So I ended up finding a team in Slovakia, like Vise, that December, and I ended up going there, and shit took off from there, bro. Is um, I know you're gonna ask more questions about it, but uh, yeah, I just 
I went there and just started handling business the right way because uh, that was going to be my first complete time overseas. Any other time before that was for a few months. Like when I went to Switzerland, it was for a few months. When I went to Luxembourg, it was for a few months. But I knew I was locked in with this team, so I had a different mindset. Like, it's time to go in and do what I need to do, you know. So it was a little bit different, but I uh, I loved it. From that, that whole, like, year was just – crazy from COVID happening in G League, leaving G League, then going to Canada and playing in Canada and then going overseas. It was just like I had so much change in a little bit amount of time. Uh, you ended with a nice little stretch, too, this, this last season. I think you had 30 um, second to the last game and like 20. A couple games mm-hmm. before that, you had 28. Uh, what what really changed for you this season? Because you saw a, real, a really big uptick in all your numbers, man. I mean, you you increased across the board. What what really changed for you? Was it mindset or was it just, you know, it's finally, I'm finally here and I'm ready? Well, my first year um, when I went there, we got to the finals and I got hurt game two. And if I didn't get hurt game two, I would have had a fourth championship right now. So it was like, I got there and that happened. I was just so devastated. I was like, I don't want this to be the last chance I ever compete for another championship, you know? So I took it upon myself to come back and then redeem myself. So I came back that following year. I won it. And I felt like I won two championships that, first, that following year, the Alvia Cup and then the league championship. And at that point, I felt like it was just such a, such a relief, you know. It was like that, that weight off my shoulders, um, just always losing, like, in college. And we wasn't undefeated in the G League, but we still lost, like, so I just felt like actually winning something for the first time was like one of the things that kind of like got me going. And it, it changed my mindset completely different coming into next year. Um, I felt like it was that way because I I won and I led the team in scoring and I led the team. Like, I felt like the team wouldn't go as far as as long as I take them there. And I knew that coming back in this this past year, I just knew it was it was my team. Like it was my team to take to where we wanted to go and my mindset was just like I don't know what it was bro it was just I was just in tunnel vision bro like I felt like I'm I, I I got what I needed to do last year winning championship but this year was a lot different it was like I had a point to prove like I I like looking at these teams paying these type of players I'm like why I'm not here and I know I'm better why are they not doing the things I'm doing if they're getting paid this money but I just I felt like I had a point to prove to these coaches to these teams and stuff like that so I took this year as one of those years as like this is my statement year you know and uh I I I look back at it and I and it was crazy because this championship last championship last year I cried like a baby this championship I was just just like, because I knew it was my expectation, you know, like I came here for this reason. So like, there's no tears of joy. This is what I wanted to do. This is my expectation of myself. And I just put myself on a higher standard. You know, I just put myself on a higher. If somebody wanted this expectation, I upped it just because like, I just knew what I am as a basketball player and what I am as a person. So I felt like the only way to show that was on this court and winning. And I did it. And it being one of the hardest seasons of my life ever. And I always going to think that, always going to believe that it being one of the hardest seasons and me being the only American doing what I did, I give myself a, t- a pat on the back, bro. Like, a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people say they think they can, but 
you can't be away for 10 months going through all that shit and being the only American and <clears throat> carrying your team and being down 3-1 in the finals and stepping up, averaging a double-double and winning that shit. So it was like, bro, I did like, my mindset was just completely different from a lot of people. Uh, I feel like it's just like, it's either you got it or you don't. And I just feel like I got it, you know? Do you do you see yourself back with this team next year? I don't know if you're under contract or not, or do you know um, where you're going uh, next year? You're still in your prime. Yeah, bro. I mean, and that's what that's kind of be the hardest thing. Like, even though I did what I did for this team, every summer has been a slow market for me. You know, like I still don't know where I'm going. I still don't know if somebody gonna give me what I deserve. So it's kind of like I don't ever get down with myself because I know what I did, but sometimes like was it ever enough? You know. But uh, I'm not going back there just simply because I have nothing else to prove. Um, I did everything I could do for that team. Blood, sweat, and tears, literally. Um, I just don't have no, no more aspiration to go back to something that I literally ran for three years. You know, like, I really ran that place for three years. I mean, nobody can tell me any different, nothing different. And I just don't yeah. think I have I don't have any more reason to go back to somewhere and I just don't have nothing else to prove in that country. I think I, I made us, uh, I made a mark. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy when you got a whole city call you a legend. Uh, I don't think people understand how like that can make you feel like I'm winning the championship and the people are telling me, thank you. I should be saying them, thank you for accepting me, you know, but they're telling me, thank you for I'm doing this for the city. So it's like, I know the the mark I left behind at that place. So it's like, I don't need to really go back and change anything because it's already there. It's already set in stone. It's like, it's stamped. Like, I really literally stamped myself in that place. So I think it's just time for me to move on and expand my career. Like you said, I'm still in my prime. I get better every year. So it's just like, I'm just trying to take it as far as it can take me. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're still, what, 28 still, right? 28, yeah, man. Yeah, so... That's basketball prime. That's basketball prime. I mean, basketball prime, bro. You got you got plenty of plenty of playing time left. I'm sure the market will pick up some. Yeah, I need I need to see you back in the G League or somewhere. It's easy to get access to those games. I always tell myself I got to do one more year. It might be this year, it might not, but um, I'll, I'll I'll definitely do one more year. But I can only do it playing for the team I was playing with and the coach I was playing with. So. I'm good. I'm just good enough that I kept contact with him. Like we have a relationship. I can I can text him and stuff like that. I know my first year, a GD coach actually flew out and saw me play, which meant a lot to me at that time. So it's like I, I need to give myself another chance just to go out there and see what happens because you never know. Shit, somebody might call me and be like, "Hey, we got a contract for you on this big team." So you just never know. But I'm gonna give myself that chance again. For sure, like I just don't know when it might be this year, it might be next year, it might be two years from now, but I'm definitely gonna give myself a chance again. Oh, yeah, okay. you never know. You gotta remember uh, a couple years ago when that uh cat from the Lakers got called up, he was in the G League, I think he said for mm-hmm. 15 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. got his he got his moment, he, he dropped 24. He, he ain't look all you need, man, is just that one chance, bro. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, look at when Ramon Sessions got uh traded to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And he was playing next to Kobe, and like that's when his name kind of started blowing up. They were talking about him on ESPN all the time, and then yeah, he might have like faded off in the news later, but he still had such a great career after that. Oh, yeah, man. he did, bro. He did. He did. So I mean, you know, Merle Beach attitude. Uh, the uh, 
I wanted to just touch base one just one quick question on uh the overseas. So I don't know if you watch any other podcasts, but there's another podcast called The Raw Room with uh Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So they had a former uh overseas player. So they played 13 years overseas. I don't know if you've seen the clip, so I wanted to ask you about the it. tall light skinned dude, right? Yeah, they asked they said they said that he had his pay held a couple times. So just wanted we didn't get to ask that to so Elijah, you don't have to expand on or anything. He was just saying he walked into the room one time and they told him that they ain't got it. They said sometimes he went two months, three months without pay. So I wanted to see if you had any experiences like that overseas at all. Thankfully, no. Okay. Uh, all the the <laughs> most I had to wait for a, a late paycheck was probably like a week, but that's understandable because I was just getting there and then all the stuff got to finalize. But I never had to go to no, like that would not because I think when he was overseas, times were a lot different. You know? Oh yeah. So, Pay was a lot different. You don't have like direct deposit like how we do now. You just can't click on your phone. So, and there, there, there are teams, there are situations, there are countries that that are like that. Like I hear it all the time. Like I didn't get paid this month or this is two months late. Like I never been in that situation. Knock on wood. I don't want to be in that situation. Like because I know how to. I I I can't even imagine how that feels. Like yeah, at the end of the day, like. We're working. We have a family. We have bills. We got to take care of our family, too. So it's like, you can't cut me out of my money and not help, and not have me be able to take care of my family back at home. So I can just, I, I can tell that's like a, a something you don't want to be a part of. But there are situations, there are teams and people that been that place before. So I don't want to even want to think about that because I lose my shit. I'm going to want to go home soon. I don't get my paycheck. <laughs> 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 Go ahead and get out of here. Yeah, for real. You're not paying me. I'm, no, I'm not playing another. Yeah, too exactly. like It's like if you get hurt, they can just send you home and still not pay you because you got hurt and you're yep. just out of the shit out of luck. Uh, yeah. Two two months is just OD. That's two OD, bro. <laughs> that's that's great. Two months? Are you hooping? Uh, nah. Yeah, it's different, man. But hope I never had that situation with my team. Uh, they knew because they knew I would get on their ass. Like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's the eighteenth. I don't know where it's at, but it's the eighteenth. Where you at? <laughs> yeah, but they I mean, made sure I was good though. <laughs> do you think uh I mean obviously, you know, you alluded to some of that being, you know, differences in in times, but do you think some of that comes back on the globalization of basketball now, like where it's way more global teams are putting a lot more money into it. Like owners are putting a lot more money into it. And, um, agents are a lot more on their asses too. I assume, right. To, to say it one more time. Do you think agents are like more on like teams asses now to like pay their clients to, yeah. they got to get their cut. Yeah. yeah. Because the players are on their agents ass. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You know, it's like, it's a domino effect. If I'm, if, if I don't get paid, you're going to hear about it. And then the agent going to tell them the, the team about it. So it's just all, it's just all the line. Like, the first person you're going to tell is your agent. Like, I haven't got paid. Can you contact the people for me, please? But me, I ain't going to the agent. I'm going to the source. I'm going straight to the office. Hey, like, I'm knocking <laughs> on doors. Hey, my guy, uh, I'm getting paid today or what? So yeah. it's like, but most of the people say, most people go to the agents. But as far as the basketball part expanding, it's expanding. Like, yeah, it's starting to get, it's starting to get way bigger. 
after a while, I feel like there's going to be leagues way bigger. Well, there's only like two leagues league right now bigger than G League, but these domestic countries are starting to have leagues bigger than G League here soon. I don't know if you've seen, but there's a lot of NBA players coming over to Europe now, like Jabari Parker, Kimber Walker, um, Ben McLemore. Uh, a lot of people are starting to come overseas now, so it's only going to get bigger. Like once they see these names signing now, it's going to be like, oh, wow. Yeah, PJ Joseph just signed a partisan. So, yeah. It's starting, it's starting to expand a little bit, man. It's starting to get a little bigger. It's going to be a lot harder for people to get jobs now. So, since you brought it up, I do want to mention uh, the pickup game video that Anthony McRae, again, shout out Anthony McRae, uh, <laughs> sent me a video when uh, you were at DePaul and y'all were playing pickup against Jabari Parker. Yeah. And it was like literally just Jabari Parker like pick up highlights and he's like, Look at who you see. And so I watched and like a minute in, it's like you draining a three in Jabari Parker's face. What was that <laughs> like at a time when, you know, Jabari Parker was the number two pick, like I think the previous year or something? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean I I the point is at that time, bro, being in Chicago, like our gym was known for NBA players coming in and out to work out and train, like. There's a handful of times I, I was in there rebounding for Derek, uh, Derek Rose. Um, Jabari coming there all the time. You know, Will Bynum's from Chicago. It, when NBA teams came and played Chicago Bulls, their practice were at a gym. So it was, well, it was like a norm for them at that time. And that wasn't the first time Jabari came and played picked up. Like, that was the time Ballers Life was there. But it, bro, it was literally like a norm for us to, to see that in our gym on a daily, like, so it was. It, I mean, it really wasn't even anything new for me at that point. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just crazy being, you know, back home and then getting sent that video, and it's like, what the hell? Trey's playing with Jabari Parker. You know, like, <laughs> what's going on up there? Yeah, that shit was dope, though, bro. Times like that, like you're always gonna remember just because. And I mean. I, I'm blessed to say I, I have played pickup with some of the best players you can think of. Like Jabari Parker's a great player, even though his NBA career doesn't show for that. He's still a great player. Like, yeah, I mean, just being able to number two, yeah, yeah, and just being able just to be in those type of environments is just it was it was good, bro. It, it's it's crazy. Who would you say the best player that you've ever played against? Period is Jordan McRae from Tennessee University. Look him up. Bucket, six seven, six eight, miniature KD, literally. Any anywhere you think he can score that ball is going in, bro. He's he's, he's phenomenal. He's the only player I know to give us forty in the second half. I guess who yeah. who would be the player that you were fangirling? I guess what you met or playing. Nobody. With. Don't even cap, man. I know you. No, trust me, I don't. Nah. Do that. I've never been. I've never been like, damn, I ain't. I ain't never been that type of person. Shit, I'm about to tie my shoes up and go at you if anything. <laughs> no, nah, you but ain't like, nobody man, playing never... against Joel Turner. <laughs> 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 no, I really never had. I, I really never had a moment like that where it was like, oh wow, I'm playing against this person. And no, I never. I really never had that moment. I mean, that's good. I mean, I guess it can give you a little bit of adrenaline, but it can also throw you off if you're not just locked in. <laughs> Yeah, is that yeah? I don't. I never wanted to get called in the star program at all. Like I was just so ready just to play basketball. And I like I said, I never cared who was in front of me. So we typically end these off with a little speed round. All right, so we're gonna ask you about five, six questions. They're gonna be random as hell. 
So you, All right. gotta, you just gotta understand that. So you you answer first thing that comes to your mind, and we'll go. So uh, first question is: Do you believe in ghosts? No. Okay. What's the worst movie of all time? Or the worst movie you've seen of all time? Okay, worst movie I've seen? Uh, How High 2. That's what everybody says. Really? It's trap. I didn't like it. Everybody says. I didn't even bother watching it. That, hold on, that or the new Insidious movie? I haven't watched it. Okay. Trash. Okay. Uh, what is your go-to snack on a road trip? Drink, drink and food. So you got to get two. You got to get a drink. drink I'm going to go with a light blue or yellow Gatorade. And my snack. Okay, in Europe, I'll get the little day seven croissants with the cream <laughs> stuff in it. <laughs> Kill those. I'll get like five of them. And a Gatorade, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, what's your most embarrassing story ever? This doesn't have to be basketball, bro. This can be anything. It can be anything. Uh, most embarrassing story. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, oh, man. I don't know. I think I was doing, uh, like, a, I think at college, I was doing, like, a little, what's the shit they do? Kind of like a podcast, but like a news channel thing, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. That they do yeah. the videos, yeah. And I was, on microphone, my, I was on the microphone. My teammates came back and said something, and I was like trying not to laugh, and he said something again. And like, I laughed so hard, like, snot came all at my nose. It was on oh. TV. I was like, oh, oh man. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope that clip's like buried deep on the internet, bro. <laughs> I hope they deleted it. I don't know where it's at, but I hope they never find it. You know what? In case Kenny watches this, I want to out him for his most embarrassing moment on our football team. Sorry, I know this interrupts the speed route, but do you remember that time we're sitting there? We're we're driving somewhere. I think it was Georgetown or something. Uh-huh. And we're sitting there. It's me, you, David King, and and Kenny's. I'm I'm not even paying y'all any attention. Y'all are right here. I'm I'm sitting like staring ahead because we're you know about to get there. And Kenny mm-hmm. out of nowhere goes. Y'all ever notice Joel has like really pretty eyes? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Just sit there on a football bus. <laughs> Kenny was man. Kenny was one of a kind, man. <laughs> I love Kenny. That that shit was so out there. But both of y'all are like, what the man? What the fuck are you talking about, man? Up? <laughs> Oh god, I remember losing my shit. Like I I normally try to keep myself like pretty composed, like sitting there like going to the game that I'm not about to play in. But uh but but man, I I lost it. Yeah, uh, Case has some wild stuff at that point, man. Coach Gordon probably at the driving the bus yelling at us or some shit because we're we're laughing and we're about to pull up. Oh man. We really had a whole bunch of we had a whole bunch of comedians on that team, man. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Oh, that's uh, see. I think that's where I got my sense of humor from. Was being on that team definitely helped me come out of my shell and make me a lot more facts. Yeah, facts. Being around us, facts. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, All right, Troy. Back. <laughs> you good? What's uh? What you been doing this off season, man? 
Uh, bro, just really just been training, bro. Chilling, staying off my feet, just making sure my body is good for wherever I go. You know, just taking it easy, working hard, but taking it easy, you know. And then you're talking to two uh, avid gamers, man. So what's your what's your favorite video game of all? Ooh. Well, I'm always gonna be a Call of Duty dude, bro. I'm I'm nice at duty. I'm nice on the sticks. Okay. Well, I haven't been playing that, but either that or 2K. Those are the two I'd be really be I'd be really be into it. Like, like I game. Like I literally game. No, Troy's pretty good at 2K, man. I don't know. You don't want no problems. I don't know. Oh, okay. I got many. I got I got different builds. Whatever one you want me to pull out, I got it. <laughs> Would you on the P5? Uh, well, well, I mean, I could get it on P5, but I got it on. the PC. Oh, 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 yeah. He really a gamer, then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He really a gamer. He get down. He on the PC. I've been thinking about that this year. Do I want to get 2K on PC? Because it's been a couple of years since I've got 2K. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they just ended up being the same game year after year for you know a while, and I don't, I don't really like the virtual currency shit. The, but yeah, I hate it. Crazy though. I don't know if y'all seen the the last trailer. They had like oh uh, the new twenty four. Yeah, fire. Not, now they was wilding with putting uh Jordan Poole calling for ISO Draymond. They ain't need to do all that. that. I didn't see that. That was, that was the best mark. That's the best marketing <laughs> scheme they ever did. They didn't need to do that. That's so messed up. Man. I mean, they had KD's move. Like, I mean, it looked now, it was fire, just like bro. KD. Like it it was just so yeah. smooth. It's already pre ordered. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be there. I think now that it's crossplay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think PC. Definitely be yeah, it's, it's, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be crossplay this time. Madden's supposed to be yeah. the same thing, but it fucked up on the first day. So they were like, yeah, we ain't going to put it on there yet. Yeah. I hope it's going to be good, bro. Yeah. I hope so, too. I mean, I we can so all get too. on there. I'll, I'll destroy both of y'all. Oh, yeah. Just keep the thing. We definitely get on there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, Were there any more questions at the speed run? That was it. That's all. all I, I only had six. First question that comes to your head, Troy. What's your favorite shoes, Trey? Favorite shoes you got? Shoes? Yeah, yeah, basketball shoes. Uh, right now I'm playing in both set of LeBrons, the low ones, the the twenties, and then twenty, the NXXT. I, I like both of them right now. I got a pair of LeBrons. My feet don't fit. They're, them, they're, they're comfortable right now. I, I I'm rocking with those for a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm liking Giannis's right now. That's my go-to hoop and shoe. I never had a Giannis. I never had a Giannis. Bro, they so comfortable. Just, man, yeah, they they so comfortable. That's my thing. I need comfortability, but I also need to be close to the ground. You know. Yeah, they don't have the um. They don't have the thick. Like they're not that thick, so I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't really like how thick some uh, uh, basketball shoes are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorites used to be them early Lebrons, man. But after he got to like eighteen, nineteen, I stopped. I hated the way they were looking. Bro, these these the twenty the twenty series is like that. I'm not even gonna lie. Okay. They like that. I think I think my best ones, at least when I actually you know went and played basketball, was uh probably Harden's. Mm. He got some nice shoes too. Yeah, yeah, he, his is nice. I, got I heard the ones. I heard the ones that are out now look pretty comfortable too. Yeah, the the other ones were were pretty comfortable. They were just kind of tight on my feet because I got white feet. But yeah, but overall, I mean, I feel like great grip. You know, added a couple inches to my height. I'm out there six five for no reason. Uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> at the X gym, uh, but yeah, nah. Uh, it's been great having you on. Absolutely, 
really, really happy to, to see you again. I mean, this is the closest yeah. thing I'm going to get to a high school reunion because I'm not going. I'm not going either, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been, yeah, I mean, you said it before the podcast. It's been 10 years since we've seen each other. It's crazy. It's been a while, we, man. We both scene, look bro. different. Yeah. We're beer gang, man. We all beard up. Yeah. Choice beer gang. Yeah. We all beard up. I'm gr- I'm uh, I'm gonna grow this out to be a Viking beard. That's gonna be in later episodes though. Yeah, man. I'm gonna like start like braiding this shit. Watch. <laughs> Watch. Wow. <laughs> but uh yeah, man, it's great having you for this. And yeah, again, this is Trey McCullum, Myrtle Beach legend, Levise legend. Man. DePaul legend, <laughs> Big East legend. Oh, yeah. Try to be, man. I try uh, to be. I appreciate y'all having me, though. I really appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely. Appreciate you, man. And appreciate everybody else who watched it, got this far. And uh, y'all enjoy y'all's day, man. Trey, thank you again. God bless you on the next season, wherever it's going to be. Um, and yeah. uh, hopefully, hopefully it continues to go up, man. Hopefully it continues appreciate to go you. up. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Best of luck to y'all podcast, man. Uh, y'all doing your thing. Just keep running up. Keep 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 manifesting everything y'all want to do. Uh, just make sure y'all just stay focused and keep doing your thing, man. It's gonna it's gonna happen for y'all for sure. Appreciate you, y'all. Appreciate, yeah, appreciate it. Man.